0: Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The Old Testament lesson for today is from. Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 through chapter 4 verse 4 you'll find that on page 921 of your pew bible Jonah who despised the powerful and wicked Assyrians was called by God to go to Nineveh and warn the people that they would receive judgment if they didn't repent then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying arise go to Nineveh that great city and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Here enters, ends the word of God. May God add his blessing to it
1: to know Christ and make him known. The new members that we just welcomed into our church learned at the membership class, what well, you already know, that that's the vision of Sandwich Church, to know Christ and make him known. The first half of that phrase is pretty easy to understand, to know Christ. It's why we gather here every Sunday, to know God in the person of Jesus Christ more. That's why we read the Bible here on Sundays and in our life groups around town throughout the week. It's to know Christ. We know Christ in his forgiveness and his mercy and kindness to us when we come to the Lord's table every week. We sing songs to and about Jesus Christ because we want to know Christ more. It's the second half of the phrase where things get slightly more complicated. To make him known. Some people don't feel quite right about proclaiming what they know about Jesus to the world. They want to keep their faith to themselves, maybe. Keep it a little bit private. It feels unnatural to us or even assuming for us to make Christ known out in the community. I mean, we have to teach a class on it here. How to share your faith. Because we need to be reminded of how to be trained, of how to do it. But sometimes we're even more deeply challenged with the concept of making Christ known. When we realize that Christ is all about forgiveness. He's all about kindness. And when it comes time to make forgiveness known, to make Christ known to our enemies, sometimes we resist that a little bit, don't we? We love forgiveness for ourselves and we like justice for them. This is probably what Jonah was feeling in the story of Jonah that we're going to look at today. See, Jonah knew that there's us and there's them. There's the people of God, there's the family of God, there's the nation of God, and then there's the enemies of God. And God called Jonah to make God known in his forgiveness and in his mercy and in his kindness to the very people who were attacking them. It's a challenge, isn't it? To know Christ is somewhat easy. To make him known when it means your enemies get forgiven, that's harder. So let's look at this Jonah story to discover together how we might understand the fullness of our vision, both to know Christ and to make him known. Jonah lived several hundred years before Jesus. So he wasn't making Christ known, but he was making the forgiveness and mercy of God known that would come to its fullness and completion in Christ long after he came and lived. But he was also born a generation or two after the Assyrians, the enemies of the Israelites, had attacked and besieged the nation. The Assyrians with their great grand capital city, Nineveh, They had come in and they had ransacked and they had pillaged the villages and Jerusalem. They did terrible, horrible things to the people of God. You can go home and Google what the Assyrians were all about during warfare. It's horrific stuff. I'm not even going to mention it from the pulpit, but as bad as you can imagine, that's how the Assyrians treated God's people in the nation of Israel. I found this image that lives in the uh, British Museum. This is a relief from the Assyrians, their own history, their own telling of taking Jerusalem. You can see in the bottom right corner here, those are the stones of the temple in Jerusalem. There's more to this image. You can find it online at the British Museum website. But these are the Assyrian soldiers, this Assyrian army attacking Jerusalem. So this is a real historical event that Jonah was living a generation or two after. And it's this very people, the enemies of God, that God called Jonah, a faithful Jew, a faithful Israelite. He called Jonah to make him known, to make God known in his forgiveness and mercy too. So God said, Jonah, I want you to go to this very city, the enemies, the Assyrians, the Ninevites. I want you to go to them and tell them about me. I want you to make me known to them. So what did Jonah do? Well, I have this other image I want to show you. God said, go to Nineveh. And Jonah got on a boat and went to Tarshish. (laughs) In the Jesus Storybook Bible that I used to read when my kids were little, I love the page here. God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, and it shows a picture of Jonah down at the docks. And there's a boat at the end of the dock. And Jonah's talking to the captain of the boat, and he says, one ticket to not Nineveh, please. (laughs) Go proclaim your mercy and your kindness and forgiveness to the Ninevites? I think I'll rebel against that. So he gets on a boat, and this is a part of the story we're not going to dive into very much this morning, but he gets on a boat, he starts heading west. There's a great storm, he ends up being tossed over the boat, he gets swallowed up by a fish. The fish was sent by God, he prays this prayer in the belly of the fish. The fish starts heading in the direction God had originally told him to go in. And he lands on Joppa. Actually, if you look at the Hebrew, it says the fish vomited him out in Joppa. And we pick up the story there. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Let's hear what God says to this rebellious prophet, Jonah. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. The message that I tell you, this is an interesting phrase, call out against it. We hear that phrase now and we think of condemnation. You know, call out culture, you've heard this before. Go call out against those people, it feels like condemnation. But actually, it's not really what this phrase means here. God is giving the Ninevites through Jonah the opportunity to repent, the opportunity to change their course. If you can imagine somebody sitting on train tracks and you know there's a train heading down the train tracks, wouldn't it be merciful to call out to them? To call out and say, you better get off those tracks, otherwise trouble's coming your way. That's what God is sending Jonah to do, to call out against the Ninevites. is an act of mercy, actually. Because what they deserve is not a train coming over them, but what they deserve is the righteous wrath of God. So he gives them a gracious opportunity to get off that track turn and that God might relent from the disaster is the phrase he uses for that train coming down. Verse 3, then Jonah arose, went to Nineveh, message received, God, I'm going in the right direction now. Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, what we can tell from Jonah's character and the rest of the story, I'm guessing I know what he's thinking in this moment. Lord, you're giving them 40 days? They deserve your wrath now. You've seen what they've done in Jerusalem. You've seen what they've done to our women and our children. Why are you extending this opportunity for your grace for them to repent and turn 40 more days? You should have wiped them out yesterday. I'm guessing. I'm making that up. But I'm guessing that's what Jonah's thinking. Forty days is a full amount of time. Yet 40 days, here's your opportunity, Ninevites, to turn and receive the forgiveness of God. Verse 5, and the people of Nineveh, guess what? They didn't need 40 days. They believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth. That's a sign of repentance and humility before God. From the greatest of them to the least of them. What an awesome prophet. If Jonah was really a humble servant of God, he would have rejoiced in this moment. I love when we go out to Stanford and we play music on that sidewalk. And the people that walk by, some of you have had conversations with them, totally non-church going people. People. They walk by just in the hustle and bustle of the city, and they hear the music that we're offering and the message that we're putting out there. It's been so fun the last couple of years doing it because they hear what we're saying and they want to know more. They say, "When can I hear this music again? When can I hear this message again?" It's it's beautiful, but Jonah doesn't respond with such gratitude for what's happening here because what Jonah has believed is that there's an us and there's a them. There is us, there's the people of God, there's the nation of God, there's the family of God. We deserve God's favor and blessing. And then there's them, there's the enemies of God. And what they deserve is God's wrath. So when God's blessing and favor and forgiveness and kindness starts landing upon the enemies of God, well, Jonah's not so happy. Even the king, verse 6, the word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Think about this for a moment. This is the king, the very one who sent those troops into Jerusalem to do those terrible things. This is the leader of the Ninevites. Just imagine for a second a world leader who's evil. I won't name any names, but just think of a world leader. And now think, someone has just shared the gospel with that world leader, and he says, I repent, Lord, forgive me. How does that feel? Are you only 100% purely happy? Or is there a part of you that's kind of like, really? That guy gets forgiven just like that? That's probably what Jonah is feeling. The king humbles himself. Verse 10, how does God respond when when they humble themselves, when they heed the warning? When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. That's his wrath. And he did not do it. Jonah, you must be thrilled. You're the most effective communicator of God's grace in history. It didn't even take 40 days. It took one day. Jonah, how do you feel about it? Chapter 4, verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. Why? Why does it displease us when God's mercy and kindness and forgiveness and grace is offered to our enemies? Because if we're being honest, there's something in us that wants justice for them when we've been wronged. Isn't that true? Am I the only one who feels that way? No. Jonah's with me. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is this... Not what I said when I was yet in my country. In other words, I knew you were going to do this. (laughs) This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Now, he gets a little dramatic here. Therefore, now, Lord, take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. Wow. And God asks him, and I think us, a very penetrating question. Do you do well to be angry? How's this us versus them anger going for you? I believe that's what God is asking us, maybe even in this moment in our nation's history. Everyone's angry. I saw a bumper sticker. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. (laughs) God says, how's that going for you? I want God's love and mercy for me, but I want justice for them. Don't you know it's us versus them? Don't you know there's the family of God, there's people like us, and then there's the outsiders, and I hope God punishes them. God says, do you do well to be angry? In another translation, it says, do you have the right to be angry? Hmm. I've heard it said that unforgiveness for our enemies or anybody who's wronged us, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. It's not good. What's the takeaway from all this? How do we know Christ and make him known to those people we think are on the wrong team? How do we make Christ known to them? There's us and there's them. How do we do that? How do we get there? Well, Jesus gives us some Interesting questions and wisdom from Luke chapter 6, verse 32. It's part of his sermon on the plain. That's the less well-known sermon from the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. He speaks to this very thing. Let's listen to the words of Jesus himself. Luke 6, verse 32. If you love those who love you, this is the word of Jesus. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. There is no them, there's only us, there's God. And their sinful humanity. And we all need his forgiveness and his kindness and his mercy when we know that if Jonah had known that, by the end of the story, Jonah still doesn't get it. He still wants them to receive the wrath of God. Now, we're going to see next week, actually, that the Ninevites turn away even from this forgiveness, and then they really get it because they had the chance, but they refuse it. We're going to see that next week. (laughs) It'll be a fun Sunday. Come back. More wrath of God. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Jonah doesn't get it, though. I can think of a couple takeaways, and then uh, I want to illustrate all this actually with a song. I won't sing. (laughs) Here's some takeaways I've been thinking about as I've been praying about and meditating on this for us, in our time, in this moment in history, for us. Here's the first takeaway I'm thinking about. There's no one who has sinned too greatly to receive God's mercy. You know that? No one. There's no one who has sinned too greatly to receive God's mercy. Not the Ninevites and not the worst enemy you can think of in your mind. Or as Charles Spurgeon said it, God loves to forgive even more than you love to sin. God loves to forgive even more than your enemy loves to sin. Here's another takeaway. The gospel, which is the basically the undeserved kindness of God through Jesus Christ, the fact that he died in our place on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve. The gospel is offensive unless you know that you need it too. It's offensive. You're not going to want that undeserved kindness for anyone unless you know that it's undeserved for you as well. Or as Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, we were reminded of this two Fridays ago when the Wheaton professor was here. The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either. Remember this on Tuesday? The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. We sang a few minutes ago, I need you. We don't sing those people out there need you. We're about to come to the communion table and we're going to hear the words of the institution, the body of Jesus given for you, the blood of Jesus for you. We don't come to communion for the sins of the evildoers out there. We need it. The line between good and evil goes through every human heart, including ours. Third takeaway, what happened on the cross was for me too. I was just getting to that at the communion table. And as we share our faith, as we know Christ and make him known, we can think of what D.T. Niles said about evangelism. He said evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. We need to humble ourselves and realize that we all need mercy and kindness and forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Pastor Douda, many of you know Pastor Douda. He's one of our mission partners He grew up in uh, Burkina Faso in uh, Africa in a Muslim household. Someone made Christ known to him. He became a Christian a couple decades ago. Now he's spending the rest of his life making Christ known, not in Africa anymore because his extended family disowned him, but rather in the Bronx in New York City. And he's proclaiming, he's making Christ known everywhere he goes. And um, he it just lives and ministers in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how much Holy Spirit is, presence is on this man. If any of you have had doubt, I pray for you. It's an incredible experience. And Scott Troyer, our AV team leader, you heard Scott playing up here a few minutes ago. Scott is the guy who, if you ever worship at home, you can see the online video. He makes all of that happen. He's the technical wizard but he also writes songs. And when Pastor Dowda was here for the mission Sunday, he came to Scott and he was praying over Scott and he prayed a prophetic prayer over Scott that has everything to do with what we're talking about here, knowing Christ and making him known even to our enemies. He was praying over Scott and he said, Scott, the Lord's going to wake you up in the night and give you songs He's going to give you so many songs. You're going to write songs by the Holy Spirit. He's going to wake you up at 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. And Scott didn't really like that part of the prayer. I not going to get his sleep. And a couple uh, days later, he heard me or somebody from the pulpit say what our vision is, to know Christ and make him known. And that night, Scott was sleeping, and he woke up in the night, and the Holy Spirit was giving him a song. And he had to write it down. And it's a really beautiful and inspired song. Do you want to hear it? Anyone want to hear this inspired? Scott and Katie, come on up here. About the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.